It's time for the Everyman Well, Real Man Talk Let's go Time to grind, get inside your mind Yeah, we working overtime That's the only way to climb We gon' make it in our prime Signing on the dotted line Cashing checks left and right That's the way I'm living Hello, good evening and welcome to The Everyman Tonight we have a very special guest We have Connor Warren, the founder and CEO of Spark UK Connor, how are you doing today? Hello, thank you so much for having me I'm great today, how are you? Yes, I'm doing really well, thanks. Um, Tonight, we just have uh, myself, Dean and Ethan with Connor. How are you doing today, Dean, Ethan? Yeah, I'm spot on, mate. Uh, Looking forward to to getting on to hearing Connor's story. Been a a busy weekend for me. Um, Yeah, exciting times. All good for me. What about you, Dean? I say, mate, really, really good weekend. Excited to get into it. Um, especially the perspective of speaking to someone, you know, kind of 17 year old, getting that different perspective because we've had a lot of guests on that have sort of, you know, um, are a little bit older and stuff. So have quite different mm-hmm. stories. So I'm keen to uh, hear about it. Um, as I said, good weekend for me. My wife's visa um, has been approved. So that's one. Less thing for me to worry about, which is so stressful. Um, so we're just hoping that the card comes through before um next week so we can go on holiday to japan so fingers crossed everything's all good but yeah like i say keen to get into it what about yourself lou yeah it's been a really good week um we so as you all know i go on holiday in like 10 days so i'm on that because it's a last minute holiday for me so i'm very much on the need to lose a bit of weight (laughs) need to do a little bit of final holiday shopping A, a bit Oh, pot kettle, Ooh, pot kettles up there. <laughs> we um, we literally. Well, you were messaging me today because you're as unorganised as me. Well, actually, no, you've got two months till your. Uh, is it a stag do you're going on to to Benidorm? Yeah, I'm going to stag do to Benidorm. Um, so I'm trying to get my passport renewed, which I've just realised runs out three days so before I go away. For six weeks. I know. Well, no, I've just problem, sorted mine so... on the weekend. That's the problem. So yeah. I was messaging Lewis saying, how do I do it? And he pretty much just told us, refresh the page every minute. So it was great help from Lewis, as always. <laughs> so thanks, pal, for that. Well, um, it, it's all right, mate. And do you know the amazing thing is? It will work. Because I well, did I the same so. thing, and I got an appointment, and my passport will be here in within five days now. So, Well, I hope so, mate, because I asked you the question, and actually we have to come back to this as well. Sorry, Connor, before getting to you, mate. Uh, <laughs> I have to make a record that I said to Lewis, should I send off the 10-week one, which would be back yeah. in time for me holiday? And Lewis said, no, keep trying the appointment. So if I don't get an appointment within the next 10 weeks, Lewis, yeah. you owe me... Let's have a look. So it's, the holiday is £230 and the accommodation is £130. So what's, what's that quick maths? But hang on. Well, let's have £360. £360, yeah, £360. So that's how much you owe me if my passport does not come. Mate, you didn't include the uh, the baggage weight of my pack lunch. That... I've had to pay extra for that. <laughs> I pay extra. I just want to apologise yeah. to anyone who's watching on YouTube. Dean's got his glow light on, and he looks like he's on a sunbed. It's like the brightest glow light ever. You can barely see him. Bless him. But yeah, so yeah. as you were saying, Lewis, you're going on holiday. Yes, I am, mate. So I'm very excited for that. It's um, my son's first holiday. Obviously, he's nearly ten months old. So very excited. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. 
But that's enough about me. Let's talk about and let's talk to our, our very special guest. So, Connor, apologies for talking about everything under the sun. Um, no worries. That's literally what we do every week. Um, Connor, I was really excited to speak to you tonight. Um, you are someone who's extremely young, and I don't mean that in any patronizing way at all, to be running an organization specializing in mental health. Um, yes. I think a great place to start before we get into your story is could you tell us a little bit about your organization and, and the things that it does? Yeah, absolutely. So Spark UK is a mental health organization run by young people. So we've mm-hmm. currently got a team of six uh, teenagers, all aged between what we're now 15 and 18, all yeah. here in North Devon, all met at school, all doing stuff. We're all friends and we joke that it all started on a bit of a rant. We were ranting about mental health as friends, you know, all the school stuff. And yeah. we were like, what would we like in an ideal world? Mm-hmm. And we said, well, why are we saying what would we like? Let's just try and do this ourselves. And yeah. me being a very ambitious person that I am, I was like, yeah, we can, you know, try and do some bits. And we're now three years later. And we are creating resources for schools across the UK. We run a huge annual campaign called the All-Star Advent Calendar, which mm-hmm. in the past uh, two years, we've had celebrities, including Dame Emma Thompson, uh, Stephen Fry, Bradley Walsh, all send us videos talking about mental health. And we've reached over 30,000 people in the past two years with that. That's and amazing. we just do as much awareness around mental health as we can in the community and across the UK. No, that that is absolutely incredible, all by the age of 17. So am yes. I right in thinking, you said doing it three years, so you were like 14 when you started this business? Yes, it was what, It was five days before my 15th birthday. So I, we That's... started Spark on the 27th of December, I believe it was, 2020. Yeah. And wow. we were, I was 14 at the time. Uh, Joseph and Noah must have both been 13. So very young ages, sort of year nine in school. I actually got sort of into mental health as such back yeah. in year seven. So I was even sort of 12 at the time when I actually started uh, talking about mental health within my school. Mm-hmm. So it's very much been something that I've been passionate about for a few years now, pretty much since the age of 12 which is quite yeah. scary to think that that's almost, you know, six years ago. Yeah, I think what's incredible about that is we, and we've touched upon this actually within the pod. So we've spoken about the fact that we believe mental health education needs to start a lot sooner than post-school, post-sixth form college, whatever. So I'm 30, I'm, what, 13 years older than you. I don't think I, by your age, I hadn't even started considering mental health. It really wasn't on my radar. It wasn't something that society really spoke about. I think I was about 20 when it was something where I started to consider, oh, I actually have some low days. And what does that actually mean? And there's people around me have low days. And what does that mean? And how does this actually affect us? So I was very big on the the physical health side, but I paid very little attention to the mental health side. So I think the work that you're doing is something that, I think it's incredible because it's it's definitely a topic that we've discussed how there's a real need to almost not catch but almost identify the opportunities within people's mental health and where they're struggling at an earlier age 
before it just grows and develops into a worse problem as they become an adult and it becomes untreated. Because I think if you, if it's a personality trait, because your your illness or your struggles will eventually start to prevent you from developing in a way that you potentially could have as a person. So if you're suffering with depression, for example, that will impact your social life, that will impact the fact of how you engage with people, how you communicate. It might impact your your school grades because maybe you, you're not wanting to put yourself out there as much. Um, and the, the fact that you're intervening at such an early point must be incredible. So in terms of that, what types of of work do you do with young people in school? So you'll go in and, and, and have conversations, but is there any sort of follow-up from that, that that you guys do to support people? Yes, I think that is really important, is that early intervention. And mm-hmm. that's something that we're really passionate about, is actually getting those conversations open and not yeah. even just kind of educating. So even yeah. from young ages, primary school, just talking yeah. about emotions and talking about, okay, it's okay to feel sad sometimes, and it's okay to feel these emotions because then actually they then grow up understanding that is just part of everyday life. And yeah. then that helps them in the future because then they understand, all right, let's kind of, we know what these emotions are now and we now know how to express them and how to talk, mm-hmm. uh, when to talk to people about it. Yeah. So what we do is we create the resources for schools mm-hmm. because one of the reasons why we started this was there was a lack of education still in mental health mm-hmm. we found that schools didn't have the time mm-hmm. to be able to find resources themselves and the resources that they could find were often quite outdated and sort of if any listeners that have pre- been to school you'll know that kind of typically lessons are very much focused on you know just an hour long of a teacher stood talking which mm-hmm. is not engaging in the slightest and you'll probably pick yeah. up maybe one minute of conversation from that so we mm-hmm. wanted to find a way that would engage with young people and yeah. would actually make the message last longer. Yeah. So we created a series of lesson plans and worksheets and uh, PowerPoints for teachers to download and use because mm-hmm. then that takes the stress off of them because they don't have to worry about, you know, finding... The resource planning. Exactly, finding resources. They don't have to worry about the time of them planning that because they can literally download the lesson five minutes before the lesson and it'll Mm -hmm. be ready to go and we make sure to cater all the resources to everybody because we understand that everybody learns differently so for example all of our worksheets they've all very much got lots of space for people to doodle on because Mm -hmm. we understand some people you know they need to multitask when they're learning and we find that typically in education that's something that's not really seen that Mm -hmm. actually it's very much follow what the teacher says don't do anything else and we're very much kind of you know it's all about that open conversation and -hmm. everything that we do is trying to create this uh conversation in a class so people feel that they're able to talk to each other and feel that sense of community so I think that's something that's one of the most important things in mental health is actually understanding who you can talk to and Mm -hmm. it when you feel comfortable to having those conversations and I think yeah. that's what we try to do in our lessons is have those conversations and get a group definition of what stuff is because then that's more you sort of learn more from that yeah no you're right Ethan are you about to go there 
I was going to go. Thanks for prompting me. Right, I appreciate that. <laughs> Can I just, you know, the, the work you're doing there, mate, you, you, you're really hitting the nail on the head. And the fact that you make it so simple for the teachers, you know, I'm, I'm sure they must appreciate you for doing that. But, you know, there must be certain barriers. I mean, no one growing up myself, you know, I was in the sort of early environment of being bullied and things like that, especially because of my weight. And I know everyone in the walks of life are different. So, no matter your sort of weight, your height, sex orientation, you know, your race, things like that. So many, there's so many discriminatory factors that people will take a, a lend of. I mean, and I'd never really wanted to talk about it and I didn't really know about it, sort of mental health, you know, growing up. And I never sort of had that outlet. So, I mean, I take my hand off to you in that sense. And I just want to know what barriers you and your team face, you know, especially, obviously, not in a, in a bad way, but so young. You've actually lived mm-hmm. through it and obviously you've lived through the pandemic as well. But I would like to know a bit more about the barriers that maybe you and the team have faced and how you overcome them and also how potentially what barriers you may have when speaking to people to get them talk talking. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think especially during the early days, there was very much a big stigma around what we were doing within our community. There was a lot of people. I remember sort of the early days of Spark when I was talking about it. I got a fair amount of hate in my class of people coming up to me and saying, you don't have mental health, how dare you talk about it? You know, why are you doing all this stuff? You know, you shouldn't be the face of mental health and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the way I looked at that was actually, this shows, this is sort of motivating me to want to do more because people don't understand what it is. And we want to kind of, the more education there is, the more toler- uh, tolerated it's going to be in society. Yeah. So it's very much taking those baby steps of just whether that's, you know, starting off 10 minutes every week in a school where they talk about mental health. So it's less of a taboo subject because that way there's sort of that less, the less uh, sort of stigma, less discrimination around that kind of stuff. And then everything we also do, we very much get a range of professionals involved because Mm -hmm. we understand we're not mental health professionals. We haven't had six years in university doing clinical psychology or anything. So we get uh, sort of mental health nurses, authors, uh, local CAMS teams, a whole range of professionals to sort of work alongside us in making sure that we then can ha- signpost the right support when people do feel that they, if they need help, they know where to go. So we yeah. kind of act as the signpost as almost, we understand that yeah, we're not trained, so we can't offer mental health advice and uh, counselling yeah. and stuff, but we can signpost them to organisations that will, and we've built up strong links with them. So we can kind of do that uh, work with them to signpost people. And I think, again, that just shows that even if people don't want to have those conversations with us directly, if we are in a class saying, if you feel like this, these are the places you can go to, whether that's anonymous online websites like Cooth or Childline, or whether that's, uh, I know lots of schools have school nurses where you can go and talk about mental health and things. And it's very much just set, being that little push to say, if you feel like you do need it, here are places you can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that sounds right, quite remarkable, to be fair, the fact that, you know, you, you went and actually did your homework, you know, you, you've sought the professionals, obviously, you guys have become professionals in your own right, and rightly so, yep. because of the work you're doing, and, and you're, again, it just, 
amazing to hear that there are outlets out there. I mean, the sky's the limit from you and that side of things. And obviously, already seeing how many schools you're reaching out, you know, how many people you're helping, you know, it, it just shows the, the good work. I mean, do, have you had any barriers from children themselves or not as not as children, but young adults as well? Any pushback, anything that would class as a barrier from those? And how have you overcome them, if you don't mind me asking, just because, like I said, it's a, it's a taboo subject, as you mentioned. Yeah, I think it is just that lack of education still. It is very much that people just don't understand, even teenagers, they don't understand what mental health is. So, you know, why why should they talk about it? Because, oh, we don't have mental health, so why should we do that? And then we say, well, actually, you know, it's, it's kind of like the physical health and the fact that it's something everybody has and it's important yeah. to look after it. And I think that's we kind of want to work with as many young people as we can. So even those that actually think, you know, they've got their uh, their views on it, we want to listen to those opinions and listen to those views and get feedback from them. Yeah. Because that way we yeah. can sort of see from them what their opinions are. And we can say, because obviously everybody's in touch with their opinions, everybody's allowed to think however they want. So working with them, we can speak to them, have an open conversation with them and say, well, actually, why do you believe that? What do you believe? And then we can kind of go from there, if that kind of answers that question as such. Yeah, I, th I, th yeah, I think it does. Yes, so, so, Connor, for, there, I'm a true believer in people do things absolutely for a reason. So, so me going to work, I go for to work to provide for my family, to have a sense of achievement, do something that I love, all those sorts of things. I don't run an organization around mental health. So maybe this is a little bit, but may, maybe not to, to the degree that you guys are doing it. In terms of you doing what you do, there's obviously a big burning question. Why? Why do you do what you do? What is the profound reason why a 14-year-old young man goes from being just an, an everyday person in school to and I'm going to swear here holy shit like I need to do something remarkable here and make a real difference I'd be really keen to understand that because your story is incredible thank you yeah I think it's I so I got into mental health five years ago six years ago now so I was year seven at the time and I was a very I just come from a new school uh, I was kind of new to the area, didn't know anybody. I was like, I want to get involved in things. And there was this exciting opportunity at the time where it was a 10-week training programme to learn about mental health. Mm -hmm. And it was funded by uh, a Devon organisation where it's a 10-week, you do 10 hours of training on mental health. And I sort of really understood it. I uh, sort of got involved quite well. I uh, sort of, I'm very much a community-led person. So I like to be involved in the community. I like to do things. I prefer to keep myself busy rather than mm -hmm. sitting around and doing nothing. Yeah. And uh, after that 10-week training program, the funding got cut, like a lot of unfortunate training schemes, etc. funding usually gets cut. But as a school, we decided to sort of carry that on. So we set up this thing called Mental Health Ambassadors, which were basically, we were a group of students ranging from year seven all the way to year 11. So I made friends throughout the whole school. 
and we would go around the local community and talk about mental health. So we would do talks for local schools. We do talks for, um, I think we did a conference for Ofsted at one point. And it was very much that the way I got into it was just because I wanted something to do as such. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really looking. It wasn't necessarily something that at the time I realised why I was getting into it. I think as well, uh, my mum, she is a safeguarding trainer. So very much it's something in in our household that's talked about quite a lot. And I've yep. kind of been from a young age brought up with those open conversations. And uh, so I did mental health ambassadors for a few years. And then COVID hit. Schools really struggled. It was kind of that thing where it's impossible to get a group of school teenagers on a Zoom call once a week, which was yep. almost impossible. And that's when it was needed the most, I'd say, was actually that mental health support was needed during lockdown. And we sort of went for a few staff leaders, a few different people, and it just wasn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of friends really struggling during COVID because of that social isolation. I live in North Devon, which is a fairly rural area. We are sort of right on the coast. So uh, you get a lot of, during the winter months, you don't see many people at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was a lot of people were quite sort of remote in various places. There's lots of people that lived in little villages on their own with like the bus runs once a week and the Wi-Fi is awful. And I saw them struggling with their mental health friends. Yeah. It was kind of that people didn't know where to talk to because mental health wasn't really spoken about. Mm-hmm. And I know myself during lockdown as well, there was definitely, I had my low days where, you know, I just didn't want to move out of bed. I didn't want to do things. And it's kind of that then seeing my friends struggle and seeing people that I care for and seeing them upset and seeing them in just awful states that yeah. then made me want to try and find ways to help them. And I think myself as well, when I was a lot younger, I had anxiety. So sort of primary school age, I had a few years where I was sort of going through counselling and stuff. And that kind of, um, again, motivated me, which I didn't realise at the time. I didn't realise that kind of I was a year seven, so I didn't make the connection. But looking back on it now, again, that experience with anxiety back then, which I do still get sometimes, I still do get my anxiety. And Mm -hmm. I think it's that kind of all those different factors played into it. And it was almost a light bulb moment where it was like, actually, there is something that we could do here and kind of link all these different aspects together to make one big thing. Yeah. And I think the thing that really pushed us to do that was a rant which as simple as it is, it's having a conversation with my friends and actually doing something about it. Because a lot of people will have conversations and then, ah, oh, never happen or whatever. Yeah. But I was kind of motivated because I couldn't see anything like it. And doing lots of research, there wasn't many other sort of teen-led organisations, maybe one or two other in the whole UK. So it was kind of doing it all myself, mm-hmm. which I think really did kind of make me more motivated as well as the rest of the team 
uh, all of our team, they've always struggled themselves, whether that's been going through the systems themselves. I know, I'm sure you've all know across the CAMS waiting times, which mm-hmm. are, I think we're looking at about 60 <clears throat> days at the minute, which again is just seeing those people, seeing my friends waiting for CAMS, mm-hmm. it is a real struggle. And it definitely yeah. motivated us to do what we do and to continue and set this up. Yeah, it's definitely a profound reason. And I think for us as a group of, as, as I've said, we're all 30 or if you're Dean, you're 57, 32. Um, it's, it's one of those where we didn't miss out on our teens. And my teens were, hope my partner's not listening, but they were the best years of my life. Being young, being silly, spending all your time with your mates, um, no real stress. If you had a job, your your money was just to buy new clothes or just go and do stuff with your friends or, or whatever. There was no real like pressure. And it was all about really enjoying that period of time. So I, I can't really imagine losing that experience in my life how young people would feel today. And and I am very fearful what that knock-on effect is going to have on people as they finish school or the, the people who, as the pandemic's now ended and they are moving into the workplace where, for example, they're then having to be around people all of the time. I think anxiety, um, there'll be definitely a loneliness that would have impacted it. People won't have had the ability to sharpen up some of their social skills because actually they've almost been living in the cupboard a little bit, door locked, don't see anyone. Um, And yeah, I think at society level, we're going to struggle over the next few years where I think we're going to see mental health, the impact that the pandemic's had is going to have a sort of a, a bigger impact on young people as they enter the workplace. Because I think some of the the biggest lessons I learned growing up was that early stage entering the workplace. And as I left school, it's your first nights out. It's your, you're young and you break up with your partner and it's that little bit of heartbreak. But I imagine lots of those types of relationships. And we had um, a guest, Emily Setti on fairly recently. And she was talking about like um, young romantic relationships for people and the impact that COVID had on, on those individuals so once you add like the romantic stuff, the social stuff, the educational stuff, and then just your general life experience stuff, it, I can imagine it's been really hard on young people. And, and there is a question, I promise, Ethan, before you, you ask here. Um, what, <laughs> what, what do you think young people can do today to try and sort of overcome some of the challenges that they have had? Is it to try and put yourself in situations to, to try and put yourself under that sort of intense learning period maybe like what can people do i think it's definitely been a huge just so much has happened after covid and people are still really struggling teenagers are really struggling i know one big thing is even in so my sit form people i missed out on work experience lots of my friends mm-hmm. everybody missed out on work experience so we've got no real indicator to what work life is going to be like other than you know the summer jobs the saturday jobs which in north devon is typically working in a restaurant yeah completely busy supermarkets yeah well to be honest supermarkets you don't really get many jobs around here in them oh really 
yeah, it's typically working in an ice cream shop or working in a fish and chip shop or in a restaurant or something like that. And that's the only experience they get. Yeah. And it doesn't, the COVID has also knocked on the fact that you don't get the experiences to go to the city or mm-hmm. go and do those basic life skills, having yeah. the public transport. Uh, you know, I know I still know people 17, 18 who have never got public transport ever in their life. They don't know how a bus works or <laughs> how to read a bus timetable or simple things like that. Yeah. And I think it is just trying to get as many different life experiences yeah. in because that sort of 16, 17, 18 is probably the best time where especially the summer after GCSEs summer after A-levels, when you've got that kind of three, four months where you've got no school. You literally never have that time again, by the way. Once you go into the world of working, that time never... (laughs) So my partner's a a teacher, and every year I see her getting six or seven weeks off. And I think, I'm at work (laughs) the whole summer, and she's there off. And you just think, we've really missed out. So... Any tips to young people if you really enjoy the six or seven weeks, go and be a teacher. It's definitely <laughs> a win because I've missed out there. Yeah. And so, I think, the, 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 go on, mate. Yeah, and I think that kind of, that summer is the best time to do stuff, yeah. whether that is doing jobs, whether that's going and volunteering. Because I know a lot of people kind of look down on volunteering as such, as, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, going and working in a soup kitchen. It yeah. can be, uh, uh, I've been a volunteer for the RNLI for three years now, been doing fundraising for them. And again, yeah. it just gets you into that. You understand how a business works. You understand how a charity works. You understand, you meet people, you learn to interact with customers, and members of the public. And it yeah. is, it doesn't take much time, you know, an hour a month, but you learn those basic life skills Yeah, and take up as many free opportunities as you can. I'd say as well, because there's, especially as a young person, there is so many opportunities to go and do all these amazing things mm-hmm. that you might not ever be kind of uh, offered again. So it's important yeah. to try and take those because you could get so much out of those opportunities. Like work experience is a huge thing yeah. because it helps you to then continue and it helps you to actually feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. because say when you do eventually get a job if that's an office job whatever it is you would have had that experience you know how a workplace works mm-hmm. so in sort of a um emotional side of stuff you're not going yeah. into a workplace for the first time so it's almost one less thing to worry and stress so, about yeah yeah you're right there I, yeah. I have a question for the boys here so ethan dean I, I presume you guys did do work experience because I remember doing mine. And there's probably, well, there, there's a question of there. And then there's the, what did you do when you left school type question, like the, the, the summer holidays. So first question, Dean, what did you do as your work experience, if you did any at all? I, I was laughing about that as uh, as Connor was talking because my uh, work experience was a time off swimming pool. Um, mm-hmm. And all I did for like two days was just sit in a jacuzzi all day literally i think they made us like spray the mirrors down like one time 
Um, but mm-hmm. the rest of the time was just sat in the jacuzzi, just waiting to go home. And then they were like, oh, just get yourself away, boys, you know. So um, the work experience, the idea, brilliant. But I, I got no experience from that, to be fair. Like, uh, you know? a bit of a nightmare. Nah. What about you, Ethan? Uh, it's nice to see you still live, Dean. I didn't realise you were still on the podcast, mate. I thought <laughs> I forgot you were here for a second. Um, also, I apologise to Connor. Well, well, sorry, Dean. I just want to apologise to Connor as well for the fact that Lewis loves the sound of his own voice. So whenever I come ah. out to talk and Lewis just loves interrupting him. So sorry about that, mate. Um, get off the way. Uh, so my uh, work experience. So I wanted to do loads of different typical lad work experience. I wanted to go work in the garage. I wanted to go, you know, work in football. No, I cut my pals to football. Um, they went and coached with their, their dad. So... Um, went to Newcastle United actually a couple of them went to Newcastle which was fantastic uh, I was lucky enough to have a, uh, uh, my mum's a really successful businesswoman and um, she's retired now but you know she owned her own businesses and I got the chance to to go and spend that time working in her businesses and that's something that at the time I resented because I see my mum every day you know I don't want to go work in her business and see my mum even more I want to go do something cool but looking back on it you know it was the greatest time of my life and you know she paid us very handsomely, which I wasted on sweets and comics. That's why I'm a fat nerd now. But um, so thanks for that, ma'am. But you know, you know, it was a great time, and I just loved every minute of it. Looking back on it, so when you're seeing it, Lou, you know, in the moment you don't really appreciate. You want to be either outside with your pals or doing something cool like you're a mate. But when you look back at it, work experience, it was so valuable. You know, I, I still. Um, the person I am today is because of me, mom and the, the time I spent with her, not just doing work experience, but also, you know, I end up working with her full time when I wasn't at school. So it set me in really good stead. So I've been looking in that respect. Um, Lewis, you, what were you, did your work experience, you had like a corporate 500 company or something, didn't you, when you were 14 or something like that? Yeah, you no, I, I didn't actually. Week. You've got like a No, I didn't, that... I didn't actually. No, my work experience. Uh, so my, my dad's in the, my dad's in the forces oh. and, I did mine with the Royal Marines. Um, so my dad was based at uh, CTC Exeter, which is the Royal, uh, Royal Marines training base, where basic training is. And I did mine with the PTs. So I basically um, spent, was it three days, I think my work experience was, um, with a back troop of guys who had been injured in basic training and just had to go through their sort of rehab training, which was essentially just Royal Marine training. And it was, yeah, it was amazing. I just got beasted for three days um, on all of the different types of exercises in the pool, like the survival stuff, jumping off the, the high boards, um, doing all the like monkey bars type stuff with weighted stuff, doing the runs with all the Bergens on and things. Um, yeah, and it was, a, it was an aspiration of mine when I was younger, actually, to join the forces, but never did. Um, yeah, and I look, you definitely look at it now and say... You definitely didn't do that, Lou. You just made teas and coffees. You did not. They did not touch no, you on the monkey bar. Uh, I, I did. On <laughs> on my life, I did. My my dad was obviously in the Marines for what nearly twenty years. He's now still an officer in the Navy. I transferred to the Navy, so yeah, that was my work experience. So I will not bite at that. I will defend that because you I will defend that you were didn't. you were fourteen doing carrying sandbags and doing monkey bars and basically. By the end of the film, you were John Rambo. By the end of the three days, you were John Rambo. That's yeah, I did have hair then, actually. I had hair, had muscles. You're right. And a mullet, did didn't you? I did have... Everyone had a mullet when we were young. 
I think some of us are still trying to keep it though, Ethan. That's the only thing. Um, exactly. So, well, I'm going to flip it on Connor. Actually, sorry, Lou. I'll let me speak for two minutes, please. Uh, so I want to speak. The, so Connor, you know, obviously, if you didn't do what you did now with Spark and obviously the amazing work you're doing, and you had the opportunity to go and do work experience, what avenue do you think you would go in? Like, cause that's quite interesting to flip it on its head. Yeah, I think so. When I was, I planned my work experience, and then obviously COVID disrupted it. I was hoping to go and do uh, lighting for, because I am a, I do business, media and drama, uh, A-level. So I'm kind of very interested in kind of uh, the technical side of theatre, etc. So I was planning to do lighting because my great uncle he uh, runs his own lighting business does uh lighting for like coronation street wembley arena all sorts wow. of big lighting stuff like that so i was hoping to do my work experience with him up sort of doing lighting there but unfortunately that kind of covid had a hit on that yeah so, well i was gonna say yeah. mate i was gonna say kind of we're actually looking for a media guy you know if you've got any spare time <laughs> <laughs> we need a guy to cut up our clips and do some stuff and get some free. We'll send some stuff over, okay, buddy? Um, right, so, no, I have a, 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 no, I have questions for you all again. So, uh, we'll start with you, Connor, again on this one, actually. what what are your? So, you're 17, you're still doing A-levels. What's your plans for when you're 18, you're finished, that six-week, seven-week period of time? I hope you actually take some time off and don't just concentrate on Spark for the full time. What What, what are your plans? Oh, um, very much kind of, I'm very much orientated, being out with my friends as much as I possibly can. Uh, next summer, probably go to some of the festivals. I've got a few, I've got Boardmasters booked this year. I'll hopefully go to a the few best. more next year. It is the best. I, I used I'm, to live in Cornwall, so. I'm yeah. very much looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I just kind of want to do as much as I can next summer before I then get into the world of being an adult and having responsibilities. Yeah. So very don't, much don't rush just, it. Do no, not rush it. It is a long no. time and it feels like forever that you've, that we've been adults. So be a kid as long as you can be, I tell you. That's the plan. Yeah. 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 Some of us still aren't adults. You're right, Dean. No. Uh, Dean, what did you do on your summer after leaving school poor i didn't know what i wanted to do um still don't know what i want to do um still just sort of bumbling through life from sales job to sales job um i mean this is this is the longest job i've i've had four years um but i i left and um i did an apprenticeship well actually i went to sixth form and then i was like one of the first people to ever get kicked out of sixth form because i just I, the way it worked at my school is you had to choose what um what lessons you wanted to do and there was only two I was really interested which was business and sports but I couldn't take business and sports I could take business or sports and then to um to stay in unit um sixth form sorry you had to take minimum three so I took two other ones that I wasn't really interested in and then I just stopped going to what them were they? I was just going to the one um, travel and tourism, which I didn't study at GCSE, so I was already miles behind everybody else. Um, and then um, what was the other one? Like history or something again, which I hadn't done, I had no interest in, but just the way the blocks worked, and I had no clue what I wanted to do. So I'd, I, I was going, the, I was going to the business one, but then I wasn't bothering with with the other two, and and they ended up kicking me out. So I um, 
I did a motor mechanics apprenticeship. Um, so I was probably two or three months away from finishing that and having all my certificates and everything. And then I just decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't enjoy it, um, which I wish I'd just got the certificates just to have them and say that I'm qualified mechanic. But um, I can still do a bits and pieces. Um, but then I, I found jobs in sales and realized that if I work harder than the person next to us, I get paid more, more than money. the person next to me. Yeah. So that's always yeah. been a big spur for me. So I do like sales. Um, you know, back in school, I was tipped to be, you know, an entrepreneur. And it was something I was really keen in, which is something that I sort of fell away. So I'm, you know, quite inspired by what Connor's doing as well. And um, it's something yeah. that I've definitely given thought to over the over the next year. I've, I've set a a target for the first quarter of the year to, you know, lose the weight second quarter I'm building me fitness and, you know, me strength and stuff like that. Um, and then back six months of the year, I'm going to work on um, maybe what I want to do for have a sit down and think about what I actually want to do with my life rather than just sort of bumbling through. I, I don't want to work in a call center when I'm 50 years old. So um, I long it's, story it's short. A lot harder. Yeah. It's a lot harder. Actually. I'm going to give some call center workers some, um praise it is a hell of a lot harder working in a call center than people think it is relentless and mm. i think um yeah people i've seen people's mental health really deteriorate in those environments just because there's a, a continuous pressure um so yeah and i think the work you've done over this last year mate in terms of losing the weight getting married moving from one business to another i think um yeah you've done a cracking job and I, and i mean that as your mate so Cheers, mate. superb ethan what did you do on your yours has got to be full of some fun shit like come on you can't you can't tell us you did nothing well first of all dean i just want to credit you as well buddy um you are smashing it i see you in the gym you know and i'll even though i'm a fatty myself i rib you all the time for being chubby so uh you know just because i want you to lose the weight not because i'm a dickhead or i am a dickhead as no, well. i appreciate it man uh, but, you know, you're smashing it, mate. You know, so keep it up, mate. And any goals or targets you want to hit, you know, I'm always at the other end of the phone, things like that. Um, I did laugh, though, because partway through, I'm pretty sure you said, when you talked, you said bits and pizzas instead of bits and pizzas. So then I started laughing. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that, mate. I was laughing at the story, but you did say bits and pizzas. So thanks for that. Uh, mine, I think you were uh, just thinking I, about food eating there. I think it's day one of the diet, everyone, including Connor, and I'm, I'm now, like, saying... Like, like <laughs> Dean looks like just a massive hot dog, and Vine just looks like a massive burger. Now, like a Madagascar when it sees things. <laughs> a massive egg, yeah. To be fair. Yeah, so thanks, yeah, mate. sorry about that. Um, yeah, I wish I wish I could say my my that summer was like um, American Pie. I mean, there was a lot of drink. There wasn't any drugs because I wasn't aware of that yet. There was not really much shagging either because I was a virgin. I was eighteen. I lost virginity in a foursome. Just getting that back in there. I don't think I got enough credit for that. Um, so yeah, you that you're still waiting for the credit. I'm waiting for the credit on that one. And I've just realised oh, right, that okay. my mum's going to probably listen to this. So fucking great. Um, may as well swear on that. But no, I've, I've just worked in my mum's business. That's all I did. I got roped into that. That was, let us say, roped in. I was paid handsomely and it taught us a lot of valuable life lessons. So as much as I did go out and enjoy myself, I made great friends. You know, a couple of my pals were sort of but they give us a hard time in high school especially because we wait and I think jumping from high school to maybe sixth form I managed to flip that onto its head and you know I've made lifelong friends you know people I would never change in a million years 
and I'm thankful for them. They do everything for us, you know. There's people that when I got my first flat, people would come plaster me walls, you know, come put move furniture in, painted, you know. So I, I, I think that was when I sort of grew out of being just the fat kid to then being able to yeah. express myself and make such like lifelong friends. So that's something I'll always be grateful for that because you know my mom kept us on the on the right track. You know, I wasn't out drinking all the time and shagging and you know doing drugs and things I shouldn't be. I did do a little bit. But probably not as much as I would like to have done. And that's, you know, credit me, ma'am. And, you know, so yeah, that was boring for me. What about you, Vine? Did you go back and do your, your Army Navy training and, you know, go over to Afghanistan and all that and do all that? No, I didn't. Surprisingly, I didn't, to be honest, mate. I know that's something that you would probably think that I did, given the earlier story. Um, yeah. So if we think of school one to college i didn't really do that much i just remember again living in cornwall so spending most of the summer at the beach which was really cool the biggest change was actually the end of college year because that's when i moved from cornwall up to here um and i went from living in a town in cornwall which is population of what two and a half thousand or something to living in newcastle where the drinking cultures are two very different drinking cultures. And that summer, I think I went on two or three holidays where it was drinking, partying, going out all the time. But then in Newcastle, and, and you guys will attest to this, you go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I probably spent that summer, regrettably, not doing anything productive, but just drinking my life away. I'd that's that was the summer that I really accepted I wasn't going to continue with football anymore as well. Um, I decided. Go on Did then. you play for us? Did you play for football? No, no, it's all right. We're, we're not going to get into that. No, who do you play I, for, decided... mate? Connor wants to know. Connor needs to know now. Who played... yeah. Connor, do you want to know who he played football for when he was younger? When he wasn't. Oh, well, Connor, Connor will know them because he's in Devon, in Plymouth's in Devon. So I played for yes. Plymouth Argyle when I was younger. Oh, nice. Um, Plymouth Argyle? Yeah. You've never mentioned that before. Connor, this Amazing. is breaking news for us. Sorry, sorry Connor. They, they will try and get this in at any opportunity. So I, I am really sorry about that. Um, no, but that was the summer for me that I probably went through a big life change of spending from the age of, what, three or four playing football to sort of 18, thinking this was going to be my career, this is what I was going to do. To then, like, holy shit, what do I do now? And and that's where Dean, very similar to you, I, I, it's where my business world started and and getting into what I did at an earlier age. My um, someone came into my life when I was like 18, 17, 18, and had a business, and I ended up uh, running that business um, for a few years after that. And it was all sales and like you, Dean. I, I learned very quickly that if I worked harder than people around me. I was I was rewarded considerably more uh, for doing that. And yeah, I think sales is definitely something if I could give any advice to young people, the life experience you get from sales is huge because it's all about negotiation, people interacting. You hear so many people's background stories. You develop so much more as a person because you face adversity a lot more than you face success. And Ethan is pulling a face, so I will move on. Um, no, I was just going to say, can I change my answer? Because I think you've you two summed it up really well. Like, I didn't realise we were talking about when we hit like 17, 18. I thought it was like 16, 17. 17, well, 18. We've I talked about to... Connor. I didn't even we answer talk... that question. I answered something completely different. So I'm not sitting here like thinking, 
I didn't even talk about my summer. <laughs> I know what's going on. Well, I just want to say Havana, what a place! If anyone's been in Newcastle and Whitley Bay, Havana and Whitley Bay, not that now. is where I spent not now, but back in the day. What's a tenner now? What's a tenner to get in? It's a tenner. Can I get in? No, I, yeah, I would pay that just for a good time. Don't, don't get as well. But if you ever in Newcastle, I paid a lot more for a good time. But if you ever in Newcastle, you want to go now, get to Havana and Whitley Bay. Right. You want to be me, don't worry. That's where you want to be. Uh, so yeah, that's, well, I'll, I'll let you go on, Lou. I know you've got a dying question to, to ask, fella. But, well, you just derailed that to talk about probably a pub that should have closed about five years ago. <laughs> it's the last pub, really. Isn't it? Never yeah, say it never. No, never Rooney's say never. never. Say die. Yeah, Connor. So I have. I do, do have a question just to bring it back to you because you absolutely are the guest, and it's not Ethan and him reliving his Havana days. I have to be honest. Um, so in the last three years, so three years yeah. ago, so I seen your post today, and please tell me to stop if it's talking about something you don't want to talk about. No, so I seen your post today. So there's that post. There yeah. is starting Spark, and then there was the volunteering for the RNLI. Yeah. Um, all within that sort of three-year period. So um, I suppose my question is, how were you feeling sort of three years ago? Because I'll let you tell the story, but it seems like around the age of 14, 15 was a really like, I don't yeah. know how to describe it. It was like a real development sort of year for you where it was, I, I kind of know who I am a little bit more now and I, and I know the direction I want my life to go in. And yeah. you you probably have the most profound fourteen years old year that I've ever seen anyone have, and it's incredible I, how you've now developed that into who you are today. I think it was very much lockdown. Yeah, I think uh, sort of. Uh, I was fourteen in twenty twenty, so yeah. we went through lockdown where I was very much sort of on my own. Uh, with my family all locked in kind Mm -hmm. of and it gave a lot of time to think about things yeah and I spent a lot of time thinking about it was that time in my life where I had to choose it felt awful at the time but having to choose like GCSE options which felt Mm -hmm. like such a big thing at the time now it nothing but at the time it was like okay this is like the decision where I have to decide where my life is going Mm -hmm. and it was kind of, I spent a lot of time thinking about who I am as a person mm-hmm. and what I wanted to do. And I think it was very much, I'd thought about a lot of this stuff beforehand, but lockdown just kind of gave me the time to really sort of sit with myself and decide actually, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And really really understand who I am as a person because mm-hmm. I said I'm sort of I like to keep myself busy so I tend not to spend too much time I don't necessarily have much time to be able to just sit and think about things yeah and especially beforehand before lockdown I was very again very in- involved in the community so spending a lot of time doing things or you know sat playing video games or stuff ridiculous things like that when I was a lot younger, just, you know, being a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit and everything just froze. And you had kind of five months of un- uncertainty where 
you're just sat watching documentaries on Netflix or YouTube videos and stuff. And I would see, I'd sit and watch YouTube all day and I'd, you know, I'd see other people's lives. I was yeah. very much watching vlogs and stuff of, you know, I very much grew up in the sort of 2014 YouTube gang. I don't know if you know who they are. So you got like people like Alfie Days, uh, Zoella, uh, that kind of group. Yeah. So yeah. I grew up watching them they were kind of you know watching them build their own business and Mm -hmm. build from just being themselves Mm -hmm. and I think that's during lockdown I then had time to be able to really sit down and say this is who I am as a person and again I had I sort of almost had to because I was with my family Mm -hmm. I almost had to then I couldn't just hide from it. I then had to tell my family and it was very much just that realization. And again, having chats with friends, it was, I'd be sat on FaceTime to my friends all day and all night, just chatting about things and you'd run out of things to talk about. And then the conversations, they just naturally go sort of deeper and more in depth Yeah, with some friends more than other. And it's just, sometimes you just blurt something out and then actually you think, well, actually, is where did that come from and then that kind of I think a lot of the stuff in my life is very much it's just in the moment thing that I blurt out that actually when I then look back at that I think well actually clearly that's something I want to do Mm -hmm. so then that's something I pursue and I kind of follow so I guess it was very much lockdown helped me to understand who I was and I think that's why everything sort of came roughly at the same time was because of that sort of realization. Yeah, and it gave you that time to think and self-reflect yeah. and I don't yeah. So I I'll probably ask the question slightly a bit more directly then. Yeah. Because there was there was a part of your post today actually which really so I am a, a straight guy. Um it's something that I've not had to go through what you've gone through. Yeah. And I I suppose one, it's incredibly brave to wrote to write what you wrote today like incredibly brave mate and and i and i i have huge respect for you for writing it um so you obviously decided not decided you decided to speak up and say that you were that you were gay and you actually got a little bit of hate from people around you lots of love lots of love but there was a few people who maybe took that personal yeah first question how hard was that to, to come out? I think it was, again, it was very much a kind of, it was something that the first person I came out to, I, it was just sort of blurted out in conversation. Yeah. And then they were like, well, it's, it wasn't even, I think I said something along the lines of, you know, my last relationship made me realise I wasn't sure if I wanted to be with a girl anymore. Yeah. And that was almost that, they were like, okay, so is this you sort of coming out? And I guess, and I was like, well, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. And that that conversation then kind of led to uh, sort of me re- sort of then having that kind of thinking, well, actually, you know, and I think it was my mum actually that said, you know, I said, I think I might be, uh, I, th- I said, I think I might be bi. And she was like, well, mm-hmm. do you really like girls? And I was like, nah, not really. <laughs> so it was that kind of that it was a long process of a few years beforehand where I was like, you know, what if? Yeah, and I think it's something that I've just learned 
to kind of just sort of take on the shoulder. Yeah, I yeah. think is one of those things that you will always find discrimination, homophobia. You always find that in society. And yeah. it's something that I just tend not to take personally. I know that, you know, I still probably, there's points where it's like a daily thing where I'd get homophobic comments. I'd get uh, slurs called on the streets. I'd, you know, walk past people on the streets and I'd get called slurs. Uh, running jokes in my year of kind mm-hmm. of, you know, walking into a room and people going, oh, like, you know, all comments like that. Slightly and I think, comment, yeah. Yeah, which people don't realise. And I guess... I'm somebody that I don't let it affect me. But then sometimes when I am having bad sort of low days and my mental health is sort of at a low, those can then sometimes push you off the edge. Yeah. Because like nine times out of 10, absolutely fine. I just, I think that I don't care if they're doing it to me because I'd rather them do it to me than do it to someone else who is more vulnerable and has a more vulnerable position. And... I think there's definitely times where it can affect my mental health, Mm. but I tend to try and think on the side of actually, typically the people that are, you know, the ones calling me slurs on the streets, typically they're their insecure ones themselves. And they're clearly doing that from a position where either they don't, they live in a uh, world where, you know, that thing is every day, maybe they don't have a good home life, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's you've got to try and think actually, where is this coming from? And I think for me, that's then been able to help me to understand, like, you know, why, you know, I understand that there's some people won't change their views. And it's definitely a long process that has taken, you know, it's only been the last couple months where I've actually been able to correct people. Because people go, oh, you know, you got a girlfriend, etc., like that. And it's only been in the last sort of two months, three months, I've actually been able to correct mm. people. Because yeah. it is that kind of almost you're not ashamed of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like you don't have you don't know how people are gonna respond. It took me years before I could utter that I'm gay. It's yeah. just one of those things where it's not really, you know, it's just kind of that thing that it feels strange as such because it's not what you see. You know, there's a lot, say, before sort of a year ago, there wasn't a huge amount of representation on TV and the media. It was very much kind of, it's only been in the last sort of year since anything really has kind of come out as such. And I think I saw uh, some uh, survey results today and I think it's like... uh, as of this year, 10% of characters on sitcoms are LGBTQ, which is mm-hmm. a great increase. I think it was like 1% or something ridiculous like last year or the year before. So there's yeah. definitely that improvement. And yeah. seeing uh, more celebrities and stuff, seeing more people that people look up to coming out with uh, Jake Daniels, the footballer from Brighton, mm-hmm. uh, first professional footballer to come out yeah is again that was a momentous occasion because actually it shows that a very uh, sort of masculine uh kind of that uh sort of the football world very much straight dominated and being able to yeah. see somebody that they feel like they're in the position to be able to come out 
it then makes other young people feel that they actually can come out themselves because Mm -hmm. there's so many closeted young people across the country because they just either don't have the right circumstances or they don't feel that they're able to. And I think I feel that I'm in a lucky position where I have been able to, and I've been in a situation where I am able to uh, sort of use my platform to talk about it and to help young people Mm -hmm. and yeah, kind of just sort of help them. So yeah, brilliant. So Connor, if I just jump in there, I just want to say yeah, hats off to you as well to, to take one off Ethan um, for 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 doing that, mate. You know, you. um, takes people a long time. Um, some people never do come out. You know, mm-hmm. so so my props. There was just a quote that you shared at the end of the um at the end of the post, and I think that's probably if you can remember it, it's quite a good post. I couldn't remember it. I could check it if you don't have it, but. Um, if I, I just wanted you to share that with, with any of the listeners that might be listening because I thought it was a, a quite deep and profound quote. Yes, so yeah, it was so my aunt sent this to me, uh, and it's be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Brilliant, yeah, like I say, it's, it's a really important one because it does go to show, like coming back to those kids that you were talking about that shout slurs and stuff, you know. Um, most of the time they'll just probably be showing off in front of their mates, thinking nothing yeah. of it. But those are the kind and they're of idiots, that sort of, yeah, those are the people and that don't, don't matter, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, it's just sorry, Lou, just with that one there, you know, you're saying it's hard because it, you, you don't, it doesn't really affect your mental health, but those sorts of things people don't realize that they might not affect you. In, in the short term, but, you know, the chipping away of the sort of the barrier that you've got up and, you know, mm-hmm. like you say, you have them days where you are feeling low. So, um, like I say, mate, hats off to you and you've done a fantastic thing with you, with the business as well, mate. Really, really appreciate everything. Thank you. I have to echo what Dean and Lewis have said there, to be fair. You know, kind of, it's an amazing that you've sort of ushered such brave words. It's also admirable, the fact that you're, will to stand at the forefront and you know take those blows when um when sort of the bullies are sort of having a go at the snake comments because you know you're strong enough to take them now i would never condone any sort of behavior like that but i just want to say that is something that's so brave and not many people would do because you're protecting others in this vulnerable situation and actually you yeah. might actually encourage people to not only sort of be who they are but also stand up for themselves because they'll sort of see you, they'll see how strong you're being and that'll echo against them. So, you know, that that is truly amazing, mate. And I just, I've, as Dean and Lewis always say, take, take me hat off to you, bud. Just echo that. Thank so, you. you know, it's fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much. I think that was something that I wanted to touch upon, mainly because I think there's then a deeper layer. So, so the work that you do is incredible, but equally you're describing probably a situation that countless young people will be feeling today. They're more likely to be probably your age than our age, but there still will be some people our age, but more likely to be younger where they maybe haven't come to terms with how they can tell people how they truly feel. And I I suppose my, my question around that would be, what advice do you have for people around that? That there's a quote that comes to my mind and you can tell me if it's right or not, would be, Things are never quite as bad as you think it's going to be. So in your head, when, whenever I've had to deliver bad news, and that could be any situation or or news, what I perceive to be bad, let me clarify that, um, I've, my, my brain has made it a hundred times worse 
than the, the real situation ever really is. And yeah, so yeah. keen to understand your thoughts on that one. I think everybody's journeys are different. Yeah. So it's very much, everybody's got very different circumstances. And I think actually it's just finding a time that you feels right because you'll know in the moment whether it feels right or not. Mm-hmm. And then if people are coming out to you, again, it's important to kind of, a lot of people go, oh, I already knew or et cetera like that. And it's just there being supportive and actually just saying, you know, rather than saying, oh, I already guessed it or I didn't knew or whatever, just sort of being there and being supportive and saying, well, actually, you know, rather than saying I knew, say, you know, I'm here for you or thank you, that took courage or stuff like that. And I think it is about finding the right people. It takes a long time. It can take you, you know, some people might come out to every single person they know in a day. Others, it might take months, years for them before they come out to individual people. Mm-hmm. And it is just about, you know, start off with people that you know are going to take the, you know, people that you know is going to be easy. So whether that's your best mate or whatever, is coming mm-hmm. out to that. So you start to build up that kind of, you know, that, oh, you came out to this person and it went well. So mm-hmm. then at least you've got something to work, you sort of know. And I think it's yeah. very much just taken at your own pace and don't let anybody sort of uh, push you to do something you don't feel comfortable doing. Because I also know a lot of people that have been put in situations where they've been forced to come out and they've kind of, mm. you know, whether that's through relationships, whether that's being they've been in a relationship where they are still in the closet and their partner has, you know, outed them or forced them to come out to people. Or whether that is, you know, people just going round. There's always that gossip type thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very much just taking things at your own pace. Because you, you'll know when things are right. You'll know when. And yeah. there'll always be that light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So there's if you've got something to work towards, then it will make it feel more achievable. And you'll be able to, you'll feel a lot better once you are able to be yourself mm-hmm. because you've then got that weight off your shoulders that yeah. you sort of don't have to have this sort of facade as somebody else. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, yeah I, I get that. And I think that's some great advice for people out there. Um, like I say, I don't think that's affected. It definitely hasn't affected me. I, I can't speak for all of the lads. You have never raised any of that to us. But if people are out there struggling, then please um, at least try and confide in someone if you're struggling with that sort of conversation in your head and uh, don't ever feel like you're alone because it's a big part of of men's health and and men's mental health of being comfortable with your own self and who you really are and uh, being confident to be your true self and not having to maybe pretend to be someone or something that that you're not. So yeah, that that, that would definitely, that's definitely some great advice there. Um, Connor, just moving up sort of to today and on what the future holds for, for you and Spark. Um, what what do you hope to sort of achieve moving forward with Spark? What's your what's your big aims? What what, what are you what what gets you out of bed in the morning thinking, okay, this is this is our mission, this is what we're gonna do? I think it's definitely uh, uh changes constantly. Mm-hmm. Um I both personally I don't know what I want to do in the future. 
I'm very yeah. much kind of open. I'm at that stage where I'm looking at university, looking at moving to the city and just getting a job, looking at when you when you say the city, what's the city? Is it Bristol to you? Yeah, so yeah. I'm looking at Bristol at the minute. There's kind of, there is Exeter, but Exeter is very small compared yeah, to yeah. Bristol. Bristol's a cooler city. Yeah, so I kind of there's that thing of wanting to kind of get that independence and go and sort of live that city life. Mm-hmm. And then as an organization, we very much want to grow. I see Spark is basically my baby. Mm-hmm. I work, I've worked really hard on it for the past three years. The whole team have. Um, Bridey is going to do a degree. So she'll then join the team after that, which will be six years. So I've got to keep it going at least six years. Yeah, but uh, we are very much kind of taking things step by step and looking at ways we can continue expanding. We're looking at ways we can expand our advent calendar. We're looking at partnerships. We've just got a partnership with BAFTA on our advent calendar. So we're working with BAFTA on our advent calendar. And it's very much building up those building blocks because it can then help me in the future as well. Because when it comes to if I decide I don't want to do Spark, I can then look for other jobs and I've got those contacts and I've got those connections. All about personal profile. It's all about you creating your... Having a business allows you to create your image through your business. So, yeah, incredible work that you're doing, mate. And I'm sure there's going to be countless opportunities, whatever you choose to do because of the work that you've done. So you definitely have set your future up. Thank you very much. Definitely, mate. Starting with the media position that we've got at the Everyman. So get your, get your, get your CV over, mate, and we'll, we'll think about it. Sorry. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Ethan, shall we move to your question? Because I think it would be a perfect time to pick Connor's brain. Yeah. So, Connor, basically what we do, buddy, is we have a segment called Yeah, No Evil, See No Evil. And um, basically, that's where we ask our guests to share a podcast or a book. That is close to your heart, whether that's something in a professional manner, like obviously with you in, in, in sport, or whether it's something that's in a personal journey. You know, obviously you've been on quite a journey yourself. Um, so anything like that, like a book or podcast that our listeners or watchers would like. Just before you do, though, we haven't got Joby in the day who does the graphics, so I just wrote it down as well. So we've got <laughs> the, guests, the guests know that at this segment. There we go. So Connor, over to you, mate. Um, oh, I think, so for me, uh, I'm a big fan of the Diary of a CEO, Stephen Bartlett, yeah. one of the dragons. I yeah. That's a podcast I listen to most episodes, and I think it's helped my journey both personally and professionally, because it has taught me so many life lessons on uh, what uh, sort of, you know, a whole range of things. I remember one quote that will always stay with me was I was watching an episode with Claudia Winkleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Claudia? I, either Harold or Davina McCall? One of the two. I think it... I th- yeah. Yeah, I think it was Davina, actually. Think yeah. about it. Yeah. But um, she... Fairly uh, recent. Yes. She said um, it was... Um, There's no harm in sending an email. And I think that's something that will always stick with me, is the fact that... I've learned both personally and professionally that all there is is you've got no harm in sending somebody an email. 
to try and get an opportunity. Yep. So you can, the worst you're going to get is a no, and the best you're going to get, you just don't know. And everything that I've done on our Spark journey has been from sending an email, from getting massive celebrities to do our advent calendar, to uh, partnerships, to uh, we're working with, you know, research projects with universities, working with them, we're doing all sorts. And that's all just through, you know, thinking of an idea that I wanted to do and just finding the right person to email. And I think yeah. that's something I think everybody should take is if you've got an idea, there's no point just sitting on it and not doing anything about it because you can sit and wait for tomorrow forever, but tomorrow is never going to come. So do it today and get your idea and you've got nothing to lose mm-hmm. and you've got lots to gain. So that's probably, I've learned all that from Diary of a CEO. So that's probably my top tip. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that anymore. And I think the guys on the pod have seen through the things that we're, we're doing, it's all from that, isn't it? That That is exactly what our ethos is, is be bold, be brave, bold, be, be bold, B-O-L-D, be bold and brave um, in everything that you do. It's, it's definitely something that and it's, it's really impressive that you've got that. And again, I don't mean to sound patronizing when I mention your age, but it, it's that that is really impressive. Yeah. You've learned that before so many people. You normally learn that through hardship of lost opportunities. So it's incredible, as I'll say, that, that you're doing this proactively before maybe some of life's bigger lessons because your future is going to be incredible. And we are so grateful to have had you on tonight, honestly. Um yeah, and we, as as a podcast, will do everything we can to continue to to spread your message as well as our own because I I think the work you do is 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 truly amazing, mate. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's phenomenal, been mate. I really appreciate your time, and all the best for the future as well. You know, we'll check in with you in six years or you know ten years, twenty years. We'll check when you're our age. We'll check on you and see how you're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much, honestly. Um, we are super grateful and we will catch you later. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Connor. Well, boys, we just had Connor on the pod there. What was your thoughts? Yeah, I'll let you go first because uh, you didn't speak right, through the episode. <laughs> I know. And no, honestly, really inspiring. Um, we've sat on this podcast for a number of weeks with a number of guests talking about there needs to be more done at a younger age um and connor's doing it you know so massive props to him like um it is so important to to get it sort of nailed sooner rather than later especially before you start going drinking and all that and masking all of your problems with alcohol um so Mm -hmm. yeah i think he's, he's doing a wonderful thing and obviously some of the you know, adversity that he showed in his life as well with coming out and stuff's really inspiring so i think you know we talk about if if our podcast can change just one listener's life, that would be enough for us. So I think he's given he's given our listeners, especially our young listeners, um, some really good tools that they can use um, for the future as well. So I uh, really enjoyed him as a guest and look forward to seeing how he gets on uh, further in life and catching up with him in the future. Yeah. Ethan? Yeah, same. Yeah, honestly, same. I think, like, Connor, you, you know, he does... 
ooze a bit of confidence when he spoke to him. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to have that difficult conversation with us. It is a bit of a subject that, you know, if, uh, no offence, I'm his age. I haven't got the bollocks to say the stuff he's saying or do the stuff that he's doing. You know what I mean? You're not his um, age, Ethan. You're old and 30 and he's 17. Well, that's it. That's it. I, I couldn't do what he's doing right now. And I'm 30. Yeah. Thanks for reminding us. Um, but he just said you're you know, his age. No, I said... You're not even, when, you're, when your weight's not age, even his age. <laughs> that's a good one for you. I, I'm, what I meant was, I couldn't do it at his age what he's doing. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know why I'm joking about weight at the minute. Like, like and, uh, that was Mr. A, that was, I'm that was in the pre-podcast, I'm going on holiday in 10 days. I want to lose four stones so I look half decent in a speedo. It's not going to happen. It, no. Honestly, I feel so out of shape at the minute, but that's another yeah. subject. Exactly. We'll get on to you in a minute because I think we've had enough of you today, Lewis. It's all been about Lewis. The Every Lewis podcast. I'm fucking sick well, of here. Well, I, I am the bold English person. Can we address so, this situation yeah. where you keep saying you're bald? Can we address this? So, basically, anyone listening, Lewis, a while ago, we had a meeting and Lewis said I wasn't allowed to talk about Plymouth Argyle anymore. I had to pick on him for other things. So now and then Lewis you brought it up just saying twice. bald. So Lewis Every podcast keeps saying, since. Lewis keeps just saying he's bald because he thinks I'm going to pick on him for being bald and stuff playing for Plymouth. That's why he keeps saying it. That is all the reason. That was, that was it. I just wish Anyways, you had better crack. That was the... The truth, because you talk about something from. I wish you went bold. That's what I was saying. I wish you went bold. Thanks, mate. That's see, at least at least there's something different there. Something different. That's true. I'm gonna get done for fucking bullying. (laughs) Why do you think I went through a couple of fat jokes just to try and get you to bite back at something different other than something I did 14 years ago? That is um, true. That is true. Can I finish my point? Actually, I've lost trail now. I've lost. Do you have to? Do you have to? I was just going to say, all I want to say was give Connor great credit. You know, he's a great guy. Yeah. He, he's yeah, got, me too. you know, balls of steel and I, I can't see, wait to see what he does, you know. And he's doing some amazing work out there. You know, if anyone is interested in what they are doing, obviously we've mentioned it a lot of time, but look out, reach for Spark, um, mm-hmm. you know, and see what they're doing. If you want to get involved, they were saying about volunteering, you know, I'm sure they would love some help, especially if you're down that neck of the woods. Um, yeah. So, yeah, great. What about you, Lou? What do you think of today's episode? I thought, of the episode, I thought it was brilliant. I thought you two were were very good. I thought the, there was a good natural bit of banter there, which was good. Um, I found it, so I found him an incredible guest, super inspirational. It made me feel really old, I have to be honest, and I think I have to call that out. We're talking to a 17-year-old, and I felt like we were really really detached from some of the things he was saying because I remember being in school like it was yesterday and I'm the youngest out of the three of us but look the oldest but I remember like it was yesterday but we never went through school and had a pandemic the worst thing we had was when we've talked about it before Pastor King wasn't working or something that day we, we never had a pandemic where we didn't see any of our friends for properly for potentially a year and a half where we, our social life ended I can't even, what, what was school even like in the pandemic? Were they able to learn in the same ways? On Zoom and I stuff, know. weren't they? Either one's yeah. Probably not. Probably, yeah. Zoom yeah. is something that we didn't have, like you say. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I did feel though. I mean, the, the one thing, Lou, on your point there, which is quite good, you made a really good point there, which reminds us of the was fact that... Point? Here we go. 
Here we go. It's a really good point. Is where he started <laughs> rattling off all these YouTubers, right? And Lewis, he was like, oh, <laughs> YouTube and, uh, and Lewis was like, oh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who Zoella is. like our age. So I was like, all right. old YouTubers. I don't want to know why you're watching seven years on YouTube. But when I was 17. <laughs> no. I was watching seven olds when I was 17. You're 30 watching seven year olds on YouTube. No, because Google how <laughs> let's Google how old Zoella is. Just oh, yeah, we'll go. five years Sixteen. She's good. What should be twenty? <laughs> oh, Zoella's age mm-hmm. is 33. So she's 33. She's she's older than Dean. He's not, he's not interested anymore. Not just like unsubscribe on YouTube. Unsubscribe. <laughs> and even, <laughs> even Joe Sug is uh, 31. So he's older than us, Ethan. Oh, sorry then. Um, but yeah, so, man, I appreciate yeah. your feedback as well. It's hard being the talent. Sorry, you find out that you finish you. You're the talent. Yeah, I'm the talent. I'm the talent. Well, I've got the hair. Too fair you are. Too, too fair you are. You're, you're the in talent. charge of the podcast here. for the next two weeks. So uh, I know, we'll, yeah. I'll I'll how, how do you feel is. about that? How do you feel about that? I'm so happy, mate. I'm so, so happy. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, how can I not be with me graphics like this? Wait, does yeah, it even we, say evil on the end? Like, yeah. it's spelt wrong. Did you, hang on, have you wrote that back to front? Have you wrote it back to front so it comes on the camera right? Yeah. That's impressive. Oh, no, yeah, I'm smart. No, I didn't. <laughs> I think iPhone just fixed trick. Yeah. Right, fine, think... you were making a really good point. Sorry, mate. No, no, it's, it's fair. What I think, though, this comes back to from tonight's episode. We have we can do more with what we're doing. Whilst it's great we're having conversations, we can probably do more. So if we look at what some of the work Connor's doing to help schools and stuff, it does make me think: what more can we do? Um, maybe with workplaces, or like we speak to employers around how they help their their employees' mental health, or I don't know what more can we do to actually help real people. And, and take these conversations further from us being a group of mates, speaking to some incredible guests, to making sure that our listeners and people who don't listen to the pod get the help as well. Because he, he he described something really cool around having a support network of other organisations that are available to help people with the problems that they're having. I think there's probably a bit more we could do around that. And Ethan, you always reference it actually on a few of the episodes. If you're struggling with this, you could speak to that organization or whatever we, we could we it just makes me think we could do maybe a bit more yeah i think so as well you know better help is one that i've mentioned a few times they're great talking therapy online um you know kind of mentioned that people are struggling to speak to individuals about mental health you know and, yeah. and better help do a lot of work through um you know you can pick and choose when you want to speak to someone if the therapist isn't right for you you can speak to someone else you know or the, the registered professional sorry um you know, so there's loads it can do for us. You know, Lewis, you shared your vision with me for this podcast. And Lewis, this is your brainchild. Um, I know mm-hmm. I'm a talent, but it is your brainchild. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you know, you've got some ideas in the pipeline and you could take this as far as Spark, you know what I mean? Further than Spark. I don't see why we mm-hmm. can't be in a place, you know, they've been running three years and they're established business, company, support network. I don't see why we can't hit that especially with you in the driving force and the likes of Dean involved and things like that. You know, we've got walks coming up, you know, walks where we're going to meet people for coffees. 
you know, we're going to open it to any of our listeners and uh, watchers. You know, I know there's quite a few people who want to come down. We'll go for a walk along the coast at Newcastle. Uh, well, Timeout, sorry. Grab a coffee, have some banter, you know. So, Lewis, I think this could go anywhere we want to take it. And I know you're being hard on yourself there, but you are doing amazing work, mate. You do a lot of the work behind the scenes with Job. And you're reaching out to a lot of people and getting people talking is the first and the hardest step, I would say. So uh-huh. big kudos to you, mate. Um, Joke to say, kudos to you. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where this podcast goes and hopefully we hit the heights. But I know we yeah. will. Dean, Dean, I suppose my question to you, this is just the end of it. And I, and I know it's probably not the most topical question given the conversation we just had with Connor. But where do you want the podcast to go? What do you see? There's a bit of bonus juicy content for, for any listeners yeah. who stay on this far. I wouldn't mind having, like you say, doing something to give up my day job, if you know, to help with push something to be bigger. Um, there's there's so much that we can do with with the podcast, you know. Um, even so much as like the the man v fat lot lads that are that I work with, you know, I work closely with them at the moment, and I'm really driving sort of their weight loss and their fitness and mental health mm-hmm. journeys as well. Just and, to bring you know, that in a bit. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a lot from it as well, you know. Like, I'm, it's sort of a bit of a sense of purpose for me, where like, you know, I work in sales, where I'm trying to, you know, get as much from a customer as possible. Where, you know, it's not necessarily obviously you're doing the the, the best thing for the customer, but you're looking for your bonus as well. So this just gives me a little bit of good for my souls. So, um, you know, like you say, at the minute it's just sort of a hobby. We're just sort of doing this um, to we're learning about each other. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we've learned a lot about each other, stuff that we didn't know already. And, you know, this is only, only what, two months in, uh, where we will be in sort of two years' time. So just about that consistency and sticking with it. And uh, I'm like I say, I'm, I'm still in awe of all of the guests every time I'm on. I just find myself sitting listening as if I'm just listening to a podcast rather than on it. So that's why I get a bit of jip for, for sort of not speaking as much. But uh, I'm just taking it all in and just really, really keen to to learn from all these sort of, experts and you know people might laugh thinking you know calling a 17 year old an expert but he, he knows he what is. he's talking about he's 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 been through it as well you know and um he's really invested in it so um i hope that in three years time i've got the passion that he has um and if he does then i think this podcast will go far and we'll branch out into other things you know so uh yeah really keen mate really keen no that's amazing so to all guests and who've been on we thank you so so much as we say this has been about two months for us and to all listeners thank you for sticking with us our ask would be please like share comment send this to people who may be interested because we need your help we're we're trying to make something that this something that really helps real people get through real problems by hearing experiences from people from all different backgrounds so please like share and subscribe and we will catch you on the next one bye-bye cheers boys Time to grind, get inside your mind. Yeah, we working overtime. That's the only way to climb. We gon' make it in our prime. Signing on the dotted line. Cashing checks left and right. That's the way I'm living life.